The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing. Reality check. Paul, are you crazy? Be anxious for nothing? Paul, don't you realize that in our lives, stuff comes crashing down and we get anxious? Paul, what do you mean when you say be anxious for nothing? Paul continues to write, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With what, friends? With thanksgiving. See, I think a lot of times in our lives, we get so anxious about things because we constantly go to God with only our needs and not say, God, thank you for the blessings you've already given. We focus on what we don't have rather than the blessings God has already given us. Paul continues to write, let your requests be made known to God and the what? How many of you this morning, you know you need the peace of God right now? You need it more than ever. Paul says it's the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, when Paul is writing this, Paul's in prison. In a jail cell. It says, be anxious for nothing. Paul, you're in prison. And I imagine when he's thinking, what does the peace of God do? What does it do? And he looks out his jail cell and he sees the guard. He says, that's what the peace of God does. That big burly man out there. The peace of God just surrounds your hearts and minds. And that's what we want. We want the peace of God in our lives. But the issue is, we need to live out verse 6 in order to get verse 7. Be anxious for nothing. Let me pray. Father God, we can sing it as well. But we know deep down it isn't. We're anxious. We worry. We're fearful. So God, will you speak to our hearts exactly where we need you this morning? In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Hey, before you take a seat. Oh, I know, I caught you. Sorry. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say, being anxious for nothing. Go. Well, good morning. Hey, uh, welcome to second service. Which is great. Uh, you fought the fog. You were smart to not come at the 9 o'clock this morning through the fog, through it all. Um, hey, we're excited. Uh, we're excited. We have two services now. Uh, here, our second service, we're still packed, which is great. Um, many of you, you may want to check out first service. Hint, hint. <laughs> uh, that's all right. We're still good. We're learning, right? 
Hey, we're on a new series together titled How to Be Brave Week 1. I've titled this Be Anxious for Nothing. I've got three kids and uh, gosh, they are so different. Like you think you're, you're from the same mother and father. How can you just be so different in life? And my, <laughs> my youngest, who you saw in the video, Gabby, she, I don't know how old she is, seven, four? Um, she's in preschool. Hey, I didn't win Father of the Year award, I'm sorry. Uh, she's four, and she's in preschool, and that girl is anxious about everything. Like, if she's in our living room watching Peppa Pig on the TV screen, and my wife and I go into our dining room or the kitchen, she freaks out. Mom, Dad, where are you? Where? I'm only one room away from you. Like, relax, Gabby. Like, what is the big deal? On the flip side, our middle child, Brayden, who's in second grade, the guy's just fearless, right? There's nothing that stops him. He just is like, we'll go through life. Let's go. And uh, in fact, we're hiking in the woods one time, and he stepped on a snake, right? And he stepped on it. He's like, oh, that's squishy. And he moved. He's like, oh, cool, a snake, you know? Like, just fearless. There's nothing that gets in his way. And then we come to my oldest, Olivia. That girl is scared of everything. She is high. I love her. She's high anxiety. Any of you can relate to high anxiety, whether you want to admit it or not this morning. Everything. And the number one thing she's fearful of that stresses a little nine-year-old out is robbers. My daughter has never been robbed before as a nine-year-old. Never has. But she stresses out. In fact, last uh, at nighttime, uh, the number one question she asked, Daddy, have you locked all the doors? I'm like, really? You're worried about, you're nine. Like, you gotta be counting cheap right now. Don't worry about doors being locked. Like, just go to bed. And I woke up, this just this week, I woke up, and uh, as I was going through uh, my routine of, of the morning, I'm normally the first one up in the family, go downstairs, first thing you ever do is make coffee. Anyone else like that? Yes? All right. You make coffee. I turn all of the main level lights on. I go upstairs. My wife's getting ready, and I wake up. I begin to wake up my kids for school. And I wake up my oldest daughter, Olivia, and I said, Honey, it's time to get up. And she says, Okay, we make our kids pick out our clothes, their clothes the night before. Like, sorry, Mom and Dad are not picking out your clothes. You will pick them out. And they pick, she picked them out. She's like, But I need something from downstairs. I said, Okay, go get it. <gasps> It could be robbers. 6.45 in the morning. There's no robbers in the house. I don't know where. It's not like I watch horrible movies in front of her that she thinks like, rob. I don't know where, but she gets this irrational anxiety in her. She's terrified of bugs. Any of you are like insects just creep you out? Is there any of you here? You're just a couple. All right. Well, I have a pet spider in our basement. Like, I just choose not to kill it, right? Because I see all the bugs it gets. I kill all the other spiders, but let this one live. And I know right where he is. I don't touch him. And every once in a while, we get some crickets that come in. And she goes, Daddy, it's a cricket! And then she, I was like, all right, just show me where. And her brother and sister are down there just playing with the cricket, picking it up. And it was only this big. Like, but she thought it was like Godzilla cricket, you know? Like, it was going to eat her. 
high anxiety. But we all have it. How many of you remember E.T., the movie E.T.? <laughs> um, irrational anxiety when I was younger. I thought he lived in my parents' basement. And, you know, he's got that little glowy finger. E.T. Like, I was terrified of that. And then his neck can do that extended thing. I thought he lived in my, ba- my parents' basement. And so my brother's four years younger than I am. I would always make him go down and get things for me. Right? Irrational anxiety. I just would not want to go down there. I, E.T.'s not living in my parents' basement, but I didn't want to see that guy if he was, right? <laughs> He's down there or something. But we all face some type of anxiety in our lives. And Paul, who was in prison, who was beaten, who was flogged in damp darkness, writes to the church in Philippi, writes to you, writes to me that says, don't be anxious for nothing. Because when we're living in God's purpose and plan for our lives, there's nothing to worry about. Now, Brian, that doesn't seem very nice and fair because there's concern. Should we not have concern? The same word that Paul writes that says anxious, he writes it as genuine concern as well. See, it's all about the condition of our hearts. How do we view the situation that we're enduring? You can have anxiety or general concern. In fact, here's the word. I love looking at the original language. Here's the word anxious. This is the Greek word for anxious. It means it's uh, pronounced marinate. Let me hear you say marinate. I love this word because in my Mind, I think of two things. Number one, marinate. That you're over here in life and circumstances, marinating in just the wrong things, hearing the wrong things, and you are so marinated, now your life is full of fear. The other, the last part of the word, I think of knots, marinate. That when you worry and you're full of anxiety, your life becomes just full of knots. And you feel like you are strangled and can't go anywhere. It's Maranatha. Yes, Paul would say, I think if he was here, have concern. Absolutely. You should have concern. Be concerned about your salvation. Be concerned about your kids and your nieces and nephews and your grandkids' salvation. Be concerned about your lost co-workers, your lost classmates. Be concerned. But worry? No. And I think oftentimes that we have anxiety and worry in our lives. Because we just have the wrong viewpoint. And I think for us, the worry and anxiety overwhelms us. But from heaven's perspective, it's all under God's control. In fact, Paul writes to the church in Rome, he says this, What then shall we say in response to these what, friends? Things. One more time. What shall we say in response to these awesome. These things. They're just things. Paul writes before this to say, hey, there's going to be trials in your life. But Paul says, they're things. You heard the saying, the quote, ain't nothing but a ain't nothing but a thing. Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, ain't nothing but a thing. It ain't nothing but a thing. 
And Paul writes to the church in Rome, what then shall we say in response to these things? Things in your life that cause you stress, that cause you worry, that cause you anxiety. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Your anxiety and worry has nothing in response to God, the creator of you. He goes on in verse 37 and says, no, in all these what? Things, they're just nothing but things. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What did, what did Paul just call you? Conqueror. Often we allow these things to conquer us. But Paul says you are the conqueror through Jesus Christ. Paul continues, For I am convinced that neither life nor death, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else. Fill in the blank. Things that worry you, that cause you anxiety. There's no thing in all creation that will be able to separate us from the love of God. And when we face those storms in life and the waves come crashing in, we often say, I can't handle this. This is too much. God says, I love you through it all. What you're experiencing in your life does not separate you from my love. So this morning, we're going to take a look at a story that I think we find ourselves in often in the Newer Testament. So if you have your Bible with you, your biblical text, if you have your iPad, your tablet, whatever these days. Turn with me to the Newer Testament in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're going to find, I love this story. Mark writes the, on the account of Jesus. He's an eyewitness to what is happening. And as we're going to start in verse 35, but let me get us caught up. What's going to happen is Jesus has been teaching all day. He's tired. And uh, as he teaches, he teaches is what we know as parables. They're stories of life lessons. Um, that's the way Jesus teaches. And people are drawn. And he does such a wonderful job, Jesus does, is taking what people experience, their surroundings, and turns it into a story, a lesson for us. He just got done. And we're going to find that Jesus is with his disciples and they're going to cross the Sea of Galilee together. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, he, meaning Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. So we know it's the group. It's Jesus in the group. 36. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly what, friends? How many of us have ever said, when we get busy, I'm swamped? We know what life feels like right now. We know exactly what the disciples are facing. We say, my life right now is full of the winds, full of the waves. I'm swamped right now. And we know what this is. And here's what the disciples and Jesus continues in this story. 
Jesus was in the stern what? <laughs> like here, Mark's there. Like Mark, I think there's some humor here. I want you to know Jesus was in the stern sleeping, and then he adds on a cushion. As we're facing a storm, we're scared. Jesus is sleeping comfortably. <laughs> Mark, Mark just wants us to know. I want you to know, Jesus is fine. We're scared. He's on the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Jesus, or and it says, the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? For us, we know what it's like to say that to God. When life throws you that curveball, that unexpected thing, and you say, God, don't you even care? I've been praying about this for years. Don't you care? What I'm going through right now, I can't even see through the waves, through the wind, through the fog. God, don't you care? And we've said this. And I love Jesus' response. Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely clear. Can you imagine being in the boat? Scared as the waves are crashing over you. Scared as you say, we're getting swamped by these squalls of the Sea of Galilee, you are so scared. And all of a sudden, Jesus, who was with them through everything, gets up and says, quiet and still. And I want, to, I want you to know this. As a follower of Jesus, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Through the winds and waves and storms in your life, you have the authority to tell them to be quiet, be still. Live like the Holy Spirit, the presence of God is in you. Oftentimes, we're the ones crying out, God, where are you? Don't you care? Wake up. And the whole time, God's saying, you have my spirit already. Live into it. Jesus was with them the whole time. I want you to know as a follower of Jesus, he's with you through your storms. Oftentimes, we don't see them. Oftentimes we're trying to wake God up. God, wake up. Don't you care what I'm facing? And the whole time, God's trying to wake your faith up. Verse 40, Jesus said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you afraid? I'm with you. Why are you afraid? They were terrified. I love the change. They're not just afraid. They, they, they're terrified. You ever been terrified? Anyone? Yes? Hey, hello. Yeah. Um, again, I told you I'm not Father of the Year Award winner. And uh, um, I like to terrify my kids. <laughs> There's no CPS in there in, in here, is there? Um, I pretend so. Now, I think I now know why my oldest daughter is afraid of robbers. I think it's me. Because... When I say it's bedtime, I, pur I purposely run, go upstairs and make sure it's dark, and I pretend to be Slappy the Clown. Sometimes, not all the times, and don't judge me. You know you, this is fun. 
And my kids will come up and they know it and they're together. It's fun, but they get terrified and then uh, I come out of hiding. But um, they are scared. I don't know where that came from. They are terrified right now. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And I think in our lives, we often say the wind and winds and waves are overwhelming us. We say, God, where are you? Don't you care? But yet Paul says, don't be anxious for nothing. You know what the Greek word for nothing is? Nothing. No thing. There's nothing in your life to be anxious about. Worry? Sure. There may be sometimes in genuine concern. Absolutely. But don't worry and stress yourself out. You've got the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Are you living by? And I think for us, we all understand we have storms in our lives and waves come crashing into us. We all understand that. For some of us, we're facing those storms head on right now and you're just saying, I need to be brave enough. And we're all in this boat together. But if there's one thing I want you to take away this morning, it's this right here. It's not always what we go through. It's how we go through. In fact, it's not always what we what, friends? Go through. It's how we go what? We all will go through storms. We will. We'll face them. Why? Because we live in a broken world that God is trying to redeem through you. You'll face things. It's not what you go through. It's how you go through it. And sometimes we create our own storms ourselves by the words that we speak to ourselves. Our words create our own storms. Our words that we tell ourselves create an atmosphere of anxiety or an atmosphere of peace in our hearts. I was taking my daughter, my oldest daughter, who's afraid of everything, um, to school on Friday. And every Friday she has a spelling test, 20 words. And she was struggling with just three of them. And the difference was she was doing words that either have a double E, E-E, or E-A. So like T's, for example. She would spell T-E-E-S-E. I'd say, no, it's T-E-A-S-E. Those words are tricky. And on our way to school, she missed three of them. She goes, I can't do it. I can't. I said, you can no, I can't, Daddy. I'm just going to get them all wrong. So you're not going to get them all wrong. Just chill. You're creating an atmosphere of anxiety in your heart. Stop telling yourself you can't because you'll be, begin to believe you can't. And I turned to her. I said, Honey, I love you and you can do it. But we speak words into our lives that create atmosphere of anxiety. And we begin to believe them. We also create different waves and storms to our approach in life. For some of us, we just come in thinking, we're not going to face any storms in life. My family will be great. My marriage will be great. My kids, if I do A and B, they'll be followers of Jesus. If I work hard, I'll get that job raised. And we go through life with a certain approach. And all of a sudden, when the waves hit, we go, oh, I didn't see that coming. I don't know how to handle it in the midst of it. 
We approach our finances wrong. We approach our marriages wrong. We approach our workplace and our classmates wrong. It's the approach. We also create our own storms by the voices we allow to come into our heart. As we talked last week about the identity that some of us are still allowing voices to speak into our lives from a teacher, from a coach years ago. And you allow those voices to still rattle your mind and your heart. And we created wings. For us, it's expectations. For many of us, we just feel like I have certain expectations in life and when it doesn't go our way, the way we expected, we throw our hands up and say, I'm done, God, do you even care? And we just go through life with false expectations. And lastly, for some of us, we've created our own storms by carrying our shame from our past. We carry that shame and guilt into where we are now. We're afraid the past will catch up to us. We're sitting there going, what is that? And you're full of shame and you've created your own storms in your life. But I want you to know this. You can speak peace into your heart. Don't allow anxiety to rule your heart. Allow the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to rule you. So how do you do that? First thing you can begin to make a real For me, I do a couple things. The first is this, and it sounds super simple because it is. I have to give myself an adult timeout. I have to say, Ryan, right now, just breathe. And the ancient word for God is Yahweh. So sacred they don't, but a lot means it in breath. And they used to think that's what it meant because when you breathe in, it's Yahweh. You breathe in a sense. It was the breath of God coming in and out of you. It's Yahweh. Sometimes we just need to breathe. Let the stress and anxiety and our conditions of our storms be there, but we just need to breathe in the midst of it. The next thing I begin to do is remember that the God of the past who brought me through troubles and trials is still the God of today that will bring me through troubles and trials in my life. In the midst of your storms, remember who God is. Thirdly, I ask. I just say, God, I need the spirit of bravery right now. There's so many waves and fog in my life I cannot see through. I need you. Fourthly, I begin to just visualize. I'm an image learner. And I begin to visualize what does it look like that Jesus is with me right now? Whether he's just beside me, he's leading me, whatever it is, what is it visualized? What does it look like that Jesus is leading me through this? And then lastly, as I begin to elevate, I begin to worship in the midst of my storms. Because what worship does is it allows the focus off of me and the storms that I see and it begins to elevate my spirit into the presence of God and now I'm up and I begin to see the storms below and I can visualize them calming down. In fact, church, why don't you stand? And you may wonder, how do you remember all that, Ryan? If those are my steps personally, we can all do different steps. There's a cheat sheet for you. How do I be brave in the midst of my storms? 
is right here. Something about worship. It's one of the last things we want to do when we're in the midst of chaos and storms in our lives. We don't want to worship. God said, stand and worship me because I will bring you through whatever you're facing in your life. It's me. It's me. I'm the God. Don't allow. I have authority over the storms of your life. So will you stand and worship me? To not let the storms of your life ruin you, but allow my peace to surpass you and guard your heart and guard your mind. So why don't we, as we stand, let's worship our God who will take us through the storms of life. Ushers, you can come on down. Remember, Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Because sometimes it's just a thing. It's just a thing. It's just a thing. Keep your eyes on Jesus and begin to worship in the storms of your life. If you're a first-time guest, you can sit on your wallet. We don't expect you to give. This is a good time to drop that connection uh, card off in the offering plate. Uh, we thank you for your giving. Thank you that those people that got baptized last week can begin to take next steps because without your faithful giving, we cannot do ministry here. So it's because of your faithfulness. I just want to thank you so much. Thank you as you give 120 people in the last year have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Hey, we'll close on one more song and then uh, let me say a blessing over the offering and we'll close with one song. Father God, bless both the gift and the giver. This is an act of worship that we just give back to you. Many blessings that you give us. And we give back. Father, multiply it when we see your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give the team a hand for sticking around for two services? That's got to be tough. Thank you, team. Thank you. Hey, hey, be brave. Be anxious for no thing. Be anxious for nothing. Because the power of God is in you. Now go hit those storms head on and worship in the midst of them. Next week, well, you'll have to come back for next week, all right? Hey, blessings to you. Have a great time. Also, real quick, last week, uh, Christy Gerbaugh, our missionary to Azerbaijan, was up here. I failed to do a love offering for her at the end. And so, if, I know you come unexpected, but that's what a love offering is. Our ushers are at the back door if you just want to drop something off in the plate for her. And we'll make sure she gets that check before she goes back to Azerbaijan, all right? Blessings to you. Go and be radiant and face those storms.